We've been to the very top, paid a fleeting visit to the middle, and now than ever before because we've arrived at rock bottom in more ways than one. Welcome back once again, Smackheads, to the Union Smack podcast, where we visit our penultimate stop on the In Your House train. But before we get to that, believe me, some of this could wait a lifetime. I am, of course, the maniac Matt Tennant, as always flanked by the man himself, my brother from across the shining sea, the podcasting pope, the pissy to my lazy. Travis, my friend, welcome back. This is your first In Your House since we did 18, I think, a few months ago. How are you? Where can people find you? And all that good stuff. I knew way down in my sweet little soul that you were going to make a rock bottom segue somehow. We've hit rock bottom or somehow. I knew it because I would have done it too if I was so No, man, I'm good. I would say I'm glad to be back aboard the In Your House train, but considering what I've watched and what we're about to review, I don't know if I can actually say that statement. But yes, it's good to be back, my man. Once again, obviously, some more PC issues. Guys, I'm not going to cut the shit. I'm pretty sure my PC is on its last leg, so I've been doing these on my phone, so bear with us. That's why Matt's hosting. We want to put quality over every anything else before, so that little mixing of the guards, but yeah, it's great to be back on Twitter at Huss Hogan. I'm ready to hit rock bottom, but before we hit rock bottom, we've got to trudge through a moat surrounding a certain castle. Yes, we have, but before we do that, obviously... You can find me on Twitter at BruiseMate. Follow the show on Twitter at Union Smack, where you'll find the link tree in our bio for all the links to everywhere you can find us around the podcasting world. UnionSmack.BigCartel.com for your Hibiki TMD merchandise needs. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Rocky Bio, where you can celebrate five years of the Union Smack podcast by purchasing our new logo shirt and our new Union Smack revisited shirt. And of course, Lulu.com for my books, The Undertaker, A Trip Down Death Valley and NXT UK year one. I feel like our viewers, Travis, unless they're brand new, like brand spanking new, should know that off by heart by now. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's... Oh. But you're right. Yes, we are going. Before we get into In Your House 26, rock bottom, because it is a dreadful event. Tra- Travis has had the worst of it because he's literally just watched it before we come on air. I watched it a few weeks ago, so we've had some time to to settle, in my judgment. But we're going to talk a little bit about Clash at the Castle, which is happening six days from the night we record. We, of course, record on Sunday to give the show to you on Tuesday. Travis, take it away. I mean, we covered a little bit last week, but I mean, obviously with the new regime changes, you know, Vince Al, Triple H, and I'm, 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 I don't want to say excited, but I'm, I'm a little more amped for this than I would have been. Um, I think they've gone out of their way considering what, what they, Triple H was left with um, yeah. after what Vince had done to that goddamn roster to make the best possible card they could for you guys over there. I think it's going to be a good show. I do. I think we're going to get at least one big surprise. I don't know. I think there's a better chance that that big surprise is the return of Braddy Banks and Naomi as opposed to I would love it to be the fiend, but that's such a long shot at this point. Um, but I think, yeah, I think EO, EO, Sky, and excuse me, Dakota Kai uh, are going to win. And then, you know, how come the former champs? I think Drew and Roman are going to have a good match. Do I, I, the elephant in the room, do we think? the the roman run ends at clash i wouldn't 
I wouldn't do it. And I love, like we said last week, I love Drew. I don't think he's the right guy, not with this length of a run. It needs to go to a guy who hasn't been to that mountaintop like that to be past this this kind of a torch. Um, this this is a, I mean, a two year run in twenty twenty two. That's the longest we're probably going to see it. That equates to like the Bruno run of what seven years. Um, exactly. Yeah. It, it, like I said last week, I'm I'm waiting until Cody comes back. I mean, you got to tell the Cody story, the validation, winning the big one. I think it's the perfect guy for it. I think Drew's, the reaction we talked about, he might get a little split because Scott's and Brits, (laughs) y'all fucking hate each other. So what do you think? Who walks out of the castle, Matt, as your champ, in your opinion? Well, I was still hoping for... A split of titles. Um, Drew walks away with the WWF Championship. Roman keeps the Universal Championship. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen now. It's certainly not going to happen on the last SmackDown. Because I don't watch it. I've read the the spoilers of what happens on Friday SmackDown. Obviously pre-taped in advance because it's 24 hours before Clash at the Castle. So it does look like the match will be for both titles, unless something happens on Monday Night Raw. Of course, if it does, then what we're saying right now will make little impact. Um, It's got to be Roman. I'm sorry. I like Drew as a wrestler. You know, he was a great champion in the COVID era, but he's lost a lot of that now. You know, the future's Baron Corbin. The never fucking rivalry just killed him off. And I don't think... A quick build like he's had, you know, to Roman is enough to end such a historic reign. Like you said, it's all there with Cody. The story, his father never becoming champion, him doing it, you know, in Dusty's memory at WrestleMania. It writes itself. Um, Plus, say Drew beats Roman on Saturday. Is Drew versus Cody the match people want to see at WrestleMania for the title? One of them's going to have to go heel. I, I can't see it being Cody. I just think it, it's it's not there for Drew yet. And I know a lot of people on Twitter are like, oh, he's the man. You know, he's got the size. He's got the ability. He's got, yeah, all right. He's got all of that. But he's not the man to beat Roman. Not and yet. Exactly. And you can have all that all day long. But if it doesn't fit into how the story should play out, then it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, all this shit is storytelling. Long term. I know it's been beaten to death, but the long term storytelling really is a thing. And it, it should matter. Not just hot shotting all the time, which is another company's big problem. We're not even going to delve into. But uh, I, for me personally, you'll probably agree. The match that I'm so happy was booked. And the one title that has eluded this man his entire career going on the record to say the one goal he wishes to attain before he retires is winning the IC title. Sheamus and Walter, my God, I am ready for this match, Matt. Goodness gracious. Well, that's going to be the match of the night, I think, quite clearly. Um, Everyone's looking at Drew and Roman in the main event, but you have to take into consideration the fact that, I mean, arguably, Gunter slash Walter is a bigger name here than Drew McIntyre because of what he's done in NXT and Progress and all the other promotions he's fought for over here and in Europe. Um, obviously, he's got that link with Cardiff, 
that Drew McIntyre doesn't have. But I think this is going to be a war, Travis. I think both men are going to come out of it looking like hell. But we're going to have one of the biggest matches of the year. And I think Sheamus knows how big it is. Yeah. I, I don't see how this fails to deliver. I don't see how people leave Cardiff on Saturday night talking about anything other than Walter versus Sheamus. The only the only way I see this match failing to deliver, knock on wood, is if there's like an unplanned injury and they have to cut the match short, to be honest. That's how this is a can't miss match for me. And I think, especially with HHH in charge now, he's gonna let them go out there, cuffs off. In the homeland and be like, you know what? Give me a fucking WXW match on a big stage. And I think that's what we're going to get. And I can't wait. Me either. Me either. I mean, I am la- hoping for a last minute Pete Dunn heel turn on Seamus. And he joins Walter and Marcel Bartel. But I don't think we're going to get that. But that's just me hoping. It's going to be very interesting. I'm not going to watch it live. I'll actually be working because of time zone issues. I'm going to catch it that night. So I'm going to do my best to stay off social media to avoid spoilers as as tough as that's going to be. Somehow I'm going to find a way to do it. And I hope you guys enjoy Clash at the Castle uh, this Saturday. Uh, Yeah. Other than that, as far as enjoyment with shows, that's pretty much where that statement ends, right, Matt, on this week's end? (laughs) I I think In Your House 26 couldn't have been titled any better than it was rock bottom december the 13th 1998 from the general motors place in vancouver british columbia and travis i have to say um we talked a little bit about this <laughs> via dms on twitter before we came on air this wasn't as bad for me as i remembered it um i watched it live when it went out I watched it once on VHS afterwards and then once again. So I've seen the show four times now, which is probably four too many, uh, on DVD when that was produced, I think like mid-2000s. It wasn't as bad this time around as it was first time around for me, but I know you didn't enjoy this whatsoever. (laughs) Believe it or not, I have actually never seen this pay-per-view, like, full run. I've seen, like, certain, like, on compilation DVDs, obviously, like, the Buried Alive match or the Rock and Mankind, like that. But just the full run of this, no, because my parents would never get the December pay-per-views because, obviously, fucking Christmas or holidays or whatever you celebrate. So we never got them. Kind of glad now, looking back, that my parents rather, you know. uh, Yeah. (laughs) what, What can you say about a lot of these 98 in your house shows especially like and i wasn't here for breakdown but i've seen the shit at a breakdown and that was essentially a house show um and and that's no different here for the majority the first half a little more of this card was just a house show um i do it's fucking hilarious and just speaks to how all over the place the attitude era matt uh was at the time this show opens with The Rock. I got one of the fucking WWF New York in a pre-tape. Where was this, by the way? Or is this at the building? This was at Planet Hollywood. I don't know where Planet Hollywood is. Um, I'm assuming new, it was WWF New York before it was WWF New York, if you see what I'm saying. But, mm-hmm. I mean, this for me, this was one of the best parts of the entire pay-per-view. Like, his interaction with the crowd 
was brilliant. Like he oozed charisma, and it was a completely different rock for those that listened to the uh, twenty four and twenty five review. This was a completely different rock, you know. Um, and I was, it's worth the saying the master plan has unfolded by now since Survivor Series ninety eight. Matt, full circle. It has the the landscape in two months has almost completely changed in in the WWF. We've just come off a Survivor Series where The Rock won the Deadly Games tournament, won the WWF Championship, joined Vince McMahon's corporation. Um, you know, Sable as well defeated Jacqueline for the Women's Championship. That caused Mark Moreau to ditch her. Um, you know, after Survivor Series, we had Capital Carnage in the UK on December the 6th. Uh, we have reviewed that. We'll be coming to the channel at some point, but for now, you can catch it on the Habiki TM, the YouTube channel. That finally saw Animal you know, become wise to Draws, who had planned to usurp Hawk from LOD 2000. And like I say, like everything had changed from the last time we, we visited in your house a few weeks ago. Oh, and how can we forget, Travis? Shawn Michaels looks like, looks like a corpse in a suit. <laughs> Replaced Sergeant Slaughter as the commissioner of the WWF. Like, and not only found himself in a new commissioner role, but it also turned heel himself by now, which we'll get into later. Absolutely. Um, but you're right. This begins with The Rock, Planet Hollywood. He looks like a different man. He sounds like a different man. He's got the, the glasses, the expensive shirts, like I said, oozing with charisma. And I loved the part where he went through all the different names for future Oxalid. Solid. <laughs> you see, that was a good one. Again, you, you could, in your house, rock solid. You, you could imagine that happening. <laughs> it it, it kind of sounds like a porn, though, in retrospect. <laughs> but, I mean, considering who opened this show tonight on the card, who cares? Because I guess that fits, too. It does fit. Um, before that, though, we got the video. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Though, I guess my point was about the attitude air being all over the place. We got this, this, this fade, this cold open of the Rock going through Planet Hollywood, shitting on a guy in a Hawaiian shirt. Welcome everyone to the Rock's pay per view and all this. And then we go to like this heavy metal music video of Satanism and death, and somebody's going to fucking die, just like in a snap of your fingers. Talking about the buried alive match, just the difference in the shift. What? Well, blew my mind and we're two minutes into this show you know and i, th I think uh, it felt a lot like judgment day for me this video package and it was almost you know if, we, if you haven't seen judgment day, you could put this at the beginning of that and you wouldn't have known any different just reworked with another fucking freddie blassie soundbite and stock yeah. footage of tombstones rinse and repeat basically cheap as well um, which is what they cheap do. as fuck like yeah. still shots just flashing of graveyards that's it <laughs> i will give them credit though travis for the set um it did look great and i think this was the first time we've really had a proper big set for an, an in your house like b before this uh 25 24 23 22 even going back to what 19 when they first got rid of the actual in your house set like it, it was just scaffolding and maybe like the in your house door there but th this was the first time they went all out for a proper huge 
pay-per-view set for them. And the banners of the rock that hang either side of the entranceway, wonderfully shameless. This is one of the few times in professional wrestling, the brilliance of how a set is enhancing your top heel. Like we've seen it with a year before this, literally the DX pay-per-view, NWO sold out. And the gaudiness and the, 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 the size of those signs was supposed to drive home the fact like this was the corporate champion, the money guy, the companies behind this guy. You're supposed to hate this fucking guy. And how egotistical is this asshole? And I thought it was brilliant to make the set like this. I, I wish they'd do that more. Imagine how good it would be if Roman Reigns had just just hijacked one pay-per-view and it was all banners of him and the bloodline and just how much the aura that would add already to a you know a top class heel it's just it's all in the little things travis that make the difference in your house raining down there you go raining down fucking down i think it's important to note as well that michael cole replaced jim ross on commentary for this event because jr had suffered a bell's palsy attack live on air at capital carnage but still finished the show so Certainly a different Jim Ross then than to now I'm hearing. And, and take this with a grain of salt, guys. It, don't come at me with pitchforks, all right? Jim Ross having a Bell's palsy attack on air is still better than Jim, Jim Ross in AEW in 2022. Come at me. Christ. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I, I have heard he's been calling wrestlers by their WWF name. and Any... Any fucking possible flub you can think that an announcer could do, Jim Ross has done at least three times by now on AEW. A, a very young Michael Cole, too, in this. And you could tell kind of fine in his way. Not awful, but certainly not fantastic. Certain matches, it was glaring how, especially the, the opener, he was calling D'Lo Brown's signature maneuvers the wrong names. Like, he called the low down the sky high and vice versa, and that was a little frustrating, but... It is what it is. You got to learn, get your feet wet somehow. So Michael Cole, I mean, for as little experience as he had doing this, it's fine. I mean, plus you got that crazy asshole Vince yelling in your ear. I can only imagine what he was going through mentally. Very true. So this opened, Travis, with tag team action, Val Venus and the Godfather against D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry. And Mark Henry had Terry and Jacqueline with him, um, also known as PMS, I think I said. Yes, Pretty Mean Sisters. Sisters, yes. Um, I don't know what to say about this. But... The, genesis, the genesis and the seeds of the sexual chocolate character. I think they'd only started calling him sexual chocolate like two weeks before this. Obviously, yeah. he hadn't gotten the new single yet. He was still rocking the nation. What I want to talk about, and I put the tweet out earlier today doing the watch along to this, just that reaction the first the first thing the crowd heard was val venus's music and it's not like the, this crowd also just sat through back then they would have sunday night heat an mm -hmm. hour before so this isn't like the first thing they saw all night what a fucking response for val venus here you would think that austin was coming out I, i'm not even exaggerating guys and it just speaks to how well lover hate him at the time vince russo tried to make every character have some kind of substance to get everyone over because everyone was usually fucking over on these cards back then almost i mean steve blackman's coming up hold on but yeah it just blew my mind i mean to compare it to today 
it is it's right up there this reaction with like a cm punk what a god or it was just crazy to see especially gold dust we'll talk about in a little bit too yeah but it just goes to show what a big cock and a nice body can get you and it got val venus a great reception from the british columbia crowd um it's a shame really because he was a decent wrestler and i've said this on quite a few other in your house reviews i've done <clears throat> pardon me that val venus um wasn't spectacularly brilliant but he was capable you know could do what he needed to do in the ring obviously it depends on the the opponent the match against dustin Rhodes or dustin runnels i should say a few in your house is back with absolute garbage but you know he, he was I but, then had that, but then you had that SummerSlam match with D'Lo Brown we actually reviewed together, which was a good fucking match. Yes, very good match. That, that, that's the thing. It's like D'Lo Brown was a decent worker anyway. Like we, we know that. There was some fluffs here and there. I've criticized some of his stuff against X-Pac in the past few weeks and months. But D'Lo Brown could go. Val Venus could go. That was almost made to be. Val Venus... He turned it. I think the right to censor stuff killed him off completely. Oh, and yeah. then he, he did no favors for himself. You know. To be quite honest, I think what killed him off before that uh, was less than a year after this. That stupid angle with Ryan Shamrock and turning yeah. Val heel and just this. And then it was just he floundered ever since that. It was never the same. And then he had the whole stuff with Eddie Guerrero and China in 2000 i don't i think i think they very much lost the way for val venus after the initial five six months which was apparently so amazing that i completely forgot that angle even existed so thank you man i totally <laughs> forgot about that that is what i'm here for i just um, remember that shitty cage match with rikishi being like val's swan song in that character and that was it Fully loaded 2000, yes. The, the only redeeming thing about that was seeing Rikishi come off the top of the cage at his weight. Apart from that, I, I don't recall that match being much cop whatsoever. But Matt, butter on a pancake, huh? I mean, if I, if I knew what that meant, I'd agree completely. Well, I'm talking about Val's little pre-match promo here. Talking about, you know, the big Val Boski is kind of like butter on a pancake. The hotter it gets, the wetter I get. Or some dumb shit he said that was awful. Awful. Um, Val and his innuendos at this time were just fucking ridiculous. But they, they kept shooting to the ladies. The women loved Val Venus. There's no denying that. You can go back and just see it. His partner at the time, the godfather, just really started embracing this gimmick fully and you could see right here it was i mean this is before the ho train was even the, a move he did the move in the match but he didn't it wasn't the ho ho train it was just like a basic you know what i mean so he was finding the character um i as far as dealer brown one of my favorite fucking guys from this entire period of wrestling in both companies and one of the most criminally underrated talents of all time Delo Brown, very innovative guy, very deceptive agility-wise for his size. Not his best night here. Not not any of these guys' best night by any means. Kind of a sloppy uh, spine buster by Val, which he usually hit pretty flush. Just seemed a little bit off. Uh, the sky high on Val. I always loved the way Val sold that. How he would like arch his back and just thrust that cock in Delo's face, selling it, but. I don't know. A lot of the matches tonight, I, they're not phoned in by any means, but 
guys just seem to step off, you know? Oh, absolutely. This was, like, if I was in this match, I'm like, look, the crowd are hot. What the fuck am I doing in this match? For me, D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry, they were heading a, they were heading in a different direction to the Nation of Domination stuff. But just like all the other In Your Houses from the Nation's breakup to now, they were still coming out to a version of, well, the Rock's music. They were still wearing the Nation colours and their old yeah. Nation attire. And it, it, it was like, th- there's nothing... The protector. Still rocking the fucking chest protector for no reason. Exactly. And that, I think that he would part. literally ditch that thing, what, a couple weeks after this, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, but then again, I think when D'Lo Brown ditched it, it's like, I can't bring to mind, Travis, anything that D'Lo Brown did in 1999. Like, sitting here Help. thinking about it right now, D'Lo Help. Brown, the chest protector, that was his whole thing. He lost the chest protector. 1999 came around and just nothing. I can't remember a thing that D'Lo Brown would do in 1999. We might have our biggest disagreement we've had in a long time because I think 99 was D'Lo's best year ever. He was co-European and intercontinental champion and had the SummerSlam match with Jeff Jarrett where Mark Henry turned on D'Lo. I thought as far as... we see what happened with D'Lo in 99, unfortunately, the draws incident. And we know how petty events can be. And I think they lost a lot of faith unfortunately for dealer no but i that's crazy because i i love d that's my favorite year for dealo he had ditched the chest protector he had that cool new singlet that said dealo with the trim blue and he was fucking over he had the you better recognize me yeah i disagree i do not remember i obviously remember the draw stuff um i don't i can't i couldn't you, you could give me an hour travis and i wouldn't be able to tell you without the help of the internet anything D'Lo Brown did in 1999. Maybe it's because I wasn't that into D'Lo. You know, maybe it's because I've had a lot of other stuff to think about wrestling-wise in the, the preceding years, but just a blank. I've, I drew a blank on D'Lo Brown after 1998. You know, the bi- the most shocking thing about this entire match and the people in it is the biggest fall from grace in the span of a month that Jacqueline had. She went from being the women's champion to this. That's crazy. I mean, the women's champion stuff, yes, because she was she was a great wrestler in her own right. Deserved to be women's champion, even though there was wasn't really a division in 1998 for her to be like the head of or stand out at. But I think for this was much better than the stuff she had to do with Mark Moreau, because for me, I can't, that, argue, with you. I, I can't argue with you. It, it's actually it's a weird case where somebody quote fall from grace actually was a more fitting role like even as a women's champion i think she was more tailored for this at the time and i can't believe i'm saying that but the pms thing people like it or not it it kind of fucking worked for a little bit right it did and it also came after val venus had dumped terry she pretended to be pregnant and then obviously gold just didn't want to val venus didn't want the pregnancy turned out to be bullshit and <laughs> She found solace in Jacqueline, who had also been dumped by Mark Moreau after losing the women's title to Sable at Survivor Series. So it's two forces that had nowhere else to go, really coming together and making the best of a bad situation. Is that or sitting catering, Travis? So you might as well give it the best shot. 
But the finish with this, uh, uh, third reason Jacqueline pulling Val Venus's pants off to reveal a thong that was disgusting and then slapping him and then a big, a, sh- a shitty, but more the big splash Mark Henry did in this. He did this weird thing with his arm while he was midair. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it was so weird. Yeah, no, I know. I, I remember that. Um, so Valve, uh, not Valvin, sorry, Mark Henry and D'Lo Brown win. Uh, Mark Henry pins Val Venus with the splash. Do you recommend this, Travis, for our viewers? Lukewarm. <laughs> there you go. I, I, it, it was commendable when Val Venus and D'Lo Brown were in there together, but unfortunately they weren't in there together as much as they, they should have been. Um, had they been, this, this might have been salvaged, but we've got a lot of Godfather We've got a lot of Mark Henry, and like you say, it just came I, out. I, very- say I recommend this solely to see the difference in the energy of the crowds compared to then to today. That's why I would say lukewarm recommend this, just to peek in and check out the difference. There you go. So next up, we get footage of mankind attacking The Rock during an interview on Heat prior to In Your House 26 coming on the air. And then we get Rock. Um, he's basically feigning the injury to the ribs. Mankind st- states that his contract says that if the Rock fails to compete, then the WWF Championship will be awarded to him. And then we get some footage of the Rock, Vince, and Shane backstage. The Rock telling them that he won't forfeit and to take care of it. And this leads Vince McMahon, Travis, on a merry dance around the arena looking for mankind and then trying to convince him not to take on the rock. Let me ask you this. What part of this backstage attack in kayfabe hurt the rock's ribs? Can I just just put that out there? Absolutely no idea. He was certainly putting some early acting skills into practice. Is it when when rock stumbled over the padded bar stool or... I don't. Maybe it was when he he softly hugged the wall, and the painting. Um, I have no idea. Like th- this had to be the tamest attack I've ever seen backstage, and that's up against some stiff competition because we've seen some shit over the years. This was that weird little start of that that short little era of the Rock wearing the black uh, athletic suit, wasn't it? In reality, he had gotten pectoral surgery, right? So, yes. So he had to wear it to uh, cover up what? Credit to him, too, because that could not have been a pleasant surgery. And to be quite honest, some of the body of work Rock put in at this time is some of his best matches. The I Quit match, the Empty Arena match. Rock did all that with fucked up pecs and an Adidas tracksuit. So shout out to The Rock. Doesn't get enough credit, I think, for being... Like a, a badass. That's the thing with Rocky. He's so good on the fucking mic, right? And like you said, you said it perfectly, just pure charisma. That people it put his ring work kind of on the back burner because he was so good. He was, he really was not a Lex, but a total package. His it's solid fucking ring work. Absolutely. Had absolutely everything needed. And Today, people look back at him and, and go, oh, you know, he, he was just he was just good maybe between 2000 and 2001. But you have to go back and look at 
Look at his arc. He started off as this this grinning blue chipper who wasn't that great in the ring, Travis. And then suddenly, it just clicked for him. And he was putting on you great... See, you could see the glimpses early. Yeah, you're right. You could see the glimpses, right? But yeah. it wasn't... Glimpses but, weren't put together. I'll still... I will put the fully loaded 98 match with Triple H as kind of the Rock's coming out party. Right? That ma- I'll put that match up against anything today. That's a great little piece of work right there. Those two. The 30-minute one? Yeah. Oh, man. I slacked that off something. It was... I, I'm going to disagree with you. Okay? That match was so long that I don't think it did anything for either man. It should have been shorter. And if people don't know what we're talking about, you can go back and listen to it. I think it was in your house, 24, fully loaded. It might have been 23. I, 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 it, the, the number escapes me now. They booked it for so long, Travis. I don't think either man really had enough in their arsenal to pad that out. Because you go back and look at that first full. That first full was 21 minutes long. Absolutely ridiculous time. And it, it, it didn't work. It was boring for me. It was slow. I know some of our viewers agreed, some didn't. But the, the final two falls were put fine because they were loaded with the distractions they needed to get through to the end. But that first fall in that two out of three falls match just died a death for me. We'll get to Triple H in a little bit because he actually had made his return back from injury uh, like a couple weeks before this. <laughs> yes, he had. Um, but first up, Travis, before that, <laughs> Headbangers <laughs> versus the Oddities. And the Oddities, Kurgan. And Golga, Gimpquake. Uh. I mean, what do we do for this? Like, first of all, I, I will, for people who've been following the story of these teams through In Your House, this came about after the Headbangers had turned heel on the Oddities prior to Judgment Day, In Your House 25, blinded them with silly string. That's where, that's, that, that's the level of this storytelling here. And then it took in the dreadful, insane clown posse. Um, I know you remember them, Travis, who were originally lined with uh, the oddities. Sorry, mine went blank. And then sided with the headbangers. That was the entire story going into this match, Travis. You know, that that deadly, silly string that little kids spray each other in the face with all the time. And they're miraculously fine. But the seven foot two fucking mongoloid is blinded and crippled by that poison silly string by those evil heavy metal fans. This is wrestle crap in a nutshell, man. I mean, I will say one good thing. Yes, look at the crowd. The oddities were over. There's no denying that. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I it, I think it was a you know circumstance of the time. Yeah, you know, was like <laughs> Golga was. Like you said, the mongoloid of the group and wearing the South Park shirt and came out with the, was it the Kenny? Or the, I, can't, I, don't, I can't remember. The, I've not watched South Park. The Kenny. giant Cartman doll, like Al, Snow, uh, Al Snow's head, but he just used Cartman. <laughs> and, you know, they were dancing and the fans were, yeah, I can see why fans took to them, but after the it, music stopped. But even at the time, once you took ICP out of the equation, this was, it was 
put the horse down out back. And they did. At least they did. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's talk about the, on the other coin of this, the, the crime that had become the headbangers career. What were they doing a year before this when we reviewed fucking Ground Zero and the reactions and the tag titles to this? Good <laughs> Lord. <laughs> and after this, I think it would be the, the cones for breasts and the translation. Yep. Yep. A beaver, beaver cleavage. Fuck me, I forgot about that. You go back a year before this and watch their reaction. They got at ground zero in Canada, or excuse me, Kentucky. Good reaction to this. Nothing. Pathetic. <laughs> and, and what's even more pathetic than that? The actual fucking match. Oh, my goodness. It's fucking terrible, isn't it? Ergen, I'm. you know what? God bless him. I've seen interviews with him. He's found his way in Hollywood. Wonderful man. Seems yeah. like the nicest, gentle fucking giant in the world. One of the worst wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. My, I, and I, that one weird um, transition into that sidewalk slam he did to Mosh, where like he caught Mosh, you know what I'm talking about? And he turned it into like a flatliner, whatever the fuck move. You could tell that really took the piss out of Mosh and hurt him because Mosh was off the rest. Like, what a stiff fuck. Jesus Christ. <laughs> to the point where you could see Thrasher blatantly calling the spots to him. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, and then. Hold on to your butts, guys, because Giant Silva's here. You talk about bad. He always looked like he'd had a stroke to me, Giant Silva. He looked like he always, so looked, he always looked like Ray Romano's brother to me on Everybody Loves Raymond the Cop. <laughs> oh yeah, I used to watch that. Um, I don't know, Giant Silva. Odyssey's never appealed to me anyway as a group, and I was what twelve years old at this point, but. I, I never got them. Yeah, I, di I didn't find out Golga was Earthquake until years later. Not that that would have swayed me, even though I was a massive Natural Disasters fan. But it, it was. I think it was just, we've got this group of people. They're not going to make it on their own. Yeah, but they're not going to make it in a stable either. Yeah, but there's more chance of them getting over as a stable than it, there is on their own. Well, what can we do to get them over? Give them some good music. And what about in the ring? Just give them good music. That'll be enough. So, like, since anything in the world is better than talking about this actual match, I'll take you down a little Travis story. So, my best friend who used to live here in Maryland with me when I was in middle school actually moved to Orlando, Florida. So, my parents were nice enough to let me go visit him two weeks out of the summer. So, when I went down there, we were huge wrestling fans, and we would go to, like, the Rawls and Smackdowns at the Orlando Arena if they were having them. So we went to like a SmackDown one year in 2000 and outside I shit you not was John Tenta handing out flyers to a local indie show he was going to be on because I guess he lived in the area. So my friend and I, we said, fuck it. I went up to him and I'm, I'm like 15 or 16 at the, at the time. No fucks given, of course, no cooth, no respect. I'll ask any question I fucking want because I'm a teenager. So I asked him, how, how was it to be Golga essentially? And literally John Tenta blew me off shook his head looked straight down and turned his back to me and kept handing out flyers true story well it did sidebar didn't even get handed me a fucking flyer got nothing i offended <laughs> him that much <laughs> oh my god that is a brilliant story and what a dick move by him all right yeah it was so weird and i'm talking about by him he was like the entrance to the arena, like the front steps, just standing right there, John Tenta, with like just normal fans handing out fly. It was so surreal to see at the time. 
did he still have the big beard? He did. And this has happened to me at other events, at, at like in modern times, like 2017, I went to like a house or a raw or something. And there was Bob Backlund by like the merch thing, like just, you know, taking doing photo ops for like five fucking Bob Backlund and full gimmick, the bow tie, everything. It's crazy what can happen sometimes at a wrestling show that you would never expect. That is amazing. I love, I love the fact that he came out of his house, like just with a suitcase packed with the full attire, like the suit, the bow tie, the fucking braces. <laughs> Brilliant. That is a great story. Best part about it, you know, Michael, because of the slam pigs, there was like this line to meet Bob, right? My brother just cut through the whole fucking line and just started talking to him. <laughs> he, I've never seen someone simultaneously offend 30 people like my brother did that night. Fantastic. Oh, God. I wish you'd have got that on uh, on video, Travis. Like, of, of all the things that you could have caught on camera, <laughs> just Michael cutting in line to meet Bob Backlund. I'm the just... actual vlog of us going is there, but sadly that footage is not because we were just there to get, like, a beer or something. So we, I wasn't planning to film, and it was, like, literally, like, a tap. My brother's like, dude, there's fucking Bob Backlund. I'm like, shut up. I turn around. Hey, Bob, what's what's happening? <laughs> That, did that suffice reviewing this match and get us? I think it did. What happened next, man? Oh, well, the match itself, um, Headbangers win with the worst mosh pit I've ever seen. It looked like Mosh just threw himself from the top rope into Golga. Um, and then Mosh gets into it with some guy in the crowd, and Thrasher has to get involved. The referee has to get involved to pull him away. And it's like, the fuck are you doing? Best part of the match was the fan altercation. <laughs> oh, so next up, Corporation in the medical room discussing the Rocks match. Um, most of it, was it just me, Travis? Most of that was inaudible. Like, I couldn't hear fuck all. Was it just like Gerald Briscoe mumbling about coffee for two minutes or something? It was something that, I don't even know whether it was about coffee. I, I couldn't hear it. I don't know whether it was Michael Cole talking over the top. Or whether it was the the music from the headbangers still playing in the arena, but not a fucking thing. However, way before, also way before the the company was publicly traded, so there were they had not by any means perfected their their audio or issues or a lot of things in '98. Yeah. And you could tell here, yeah. and on a lot of other in your houses as well. I think we reviewed one. Uh, a few before 18, when we we said a lot of what Vince McMahon was saying at ringside, you just couldn't hear it. So many audio and technical problems. Hell, let's go dig deep into our our, uh, our archives. The WrestleMania 11, that whole fucking pay-per-view was audio issues. Yeah, that is true. It's amazing for the money they had, though, that it's like they, they didn't bother to upgrade their equipment. So like they were just happy to... to have it happen once and then fingers crossed it doesn't happen again. Yeah. Ridiculous. Something to brighten the night up though, Travis. The next match on this card, Owen Hart versus Steve Blackman. And for me, this was the best match on the entire card. I can't really argue that. And it was always awesome to see. I mean, obviously now with the tragic passing, but always a hero's welcome for Owen Hart in Canada. You know what really pissed me off about the entrance, though? Yeah, he's getting a great reaction. He took the Canadian flag from a fan at ringside, and that was that got a great reaction. But as soon as he grabbed it, it could have been a great shot, but they cut to the the, the feud that's been building up. 
it was just such a bad call by Kevin fucking Dunn to, to that camera cut. Really irritated me because it just could have been a great moment. But no, we had to recap the fucking Blue Blazer feud. My God, that was so important. Well, this is Kevin Dunn. And hopefully, they're going to get rid of him soon because he's, he's well outlasted his time there. We'll see what happens. All the reports I've seen is there's no plans for that, sadly, anytime soon, which I don't get because Triple H and Stephanie fucking hate Kevin Dunn. So we'll see. Maybe that's a, a Nick Khan call. Or maybe he's got one of them contracts that say he absolutely can't be fired until that contract comes up for renewal. As far as the match, yeah, it was it was fun. It was it was good. It was Owen Hart's a master at his craft. What about Steve Blackman? What didn't work? Obviously, the charisma fact, the obvious. But besides the obvious, let me ask you this instead: What would you have added to make it work? I mean, I would have added a mouthpiece to Steve Blackman, um, be it a, a, a female valet or a Paul Heyman type. He certainly needed someone to talk him up in the ring. Because any promo I saw from Steve Blackman over the years was just mind-numbingly dull. You know, you left you left the promo, Travis, thinking, did, did he say something? I'm sorry, I tuned out. But, I mean, he wasn't the greatest in the ring either. Obviously, he I had Owen Hart to carry him. I don't know. Steve Blackman was a an enigma. It's like he could do things in the ring to a you know a sort of bog standard level, but then everything else was just as plain as day. You know how at the time in the corporation, literally at this time, they had brought boss man came back to the company and he was kind of like when Vince would like cut a promo boss man was always like looming in the shadows standing beside vince as like a bodyguard steve blackman as a silent assassin for vince mcmahon in the corporation probably is what i would have done with him i can see that i can see that working because i mean they put shamrock in there put all the fucking why wouldn't vince buy all these deadly shooter guys like a dan severin too just vince surrounding himself with all these badass bounty hunter mma fucking guys making the corporation as strong as possible no microphones in sight for any of them just have them there you know i think dan seven would have been a stretch um we've heard the jim Cornette stories but steve blackman i can definitely see like he was meant to be this killer martial artist but what did they do with him he went from this so again, someone else who's nineteen ninety nine is just blank for me. That's how much Im- impression that he left. And crazy, then he went- crazy fun fact about Steve Blackman and Owen Hart. Steve Blackman was actually a nine year veteran by this point. He just like left the business for a couple of years. They had some matches in Stampede back in the day. But I bet none of them was well received or as technically good as this because for me. This was like Owen Hart, yes, held his end of the deal up. But I think Steve Blackman needs to be credited for this as well. Like he pulled out a few good moves here. Lovely bow and arrow, I noted down. You know, his kicks were crisp. Baseball slide. I think he. That was, he, a, that was a brutal baseball slide, by the way. It was. It was very brutal. But I, th- I think he. On that bow and arrow, I've never, ever, ever in the history of watching pro wrestling seen a referee try to count a guy's shoulders down while performing a bow and arrow on a guy. I've never seen that. And even <laughs> you can even see it on Steve Blackman. Like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> did you notice that? I did. And I think that 
I think that bow and arrow was meant to go a little bit longer, but obviously he had to react to what the referee was doing. Come on, Kyoto. Um, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> credit to Steve Blackman here. Credit to Owen Hart. Um, but for WWF, should have been a warning sign, I think, because when Steve Blackman's in your best match of the night, then you've got problems. Which is crazy, too, because you've got some solid hands coming up. You've got two cold Scorpios, Edges, Christians. To think that this, I agree, this was my match of the night, too. This may be the best Steve Blackman match I've ever seen. Besides the match with Shane, but that was more high spots and, you know, gimmicky. This has got to be the best Steve Blackman match. Oh, hands down. I can't believe we just fucking said that. Milestones amok. To, on this week's episode disagreements steve blackman holy shit cats and dogs living together what a crazy fucking world ending of this match so travis shit um owen hart walks away gets counted out blackman wins the huge jeers um horrible ending to the best match on the card it's a shame it's a shame yeah oh it the only speaks, little, uh, it speaks to that standard shit attitude era tie the bow in the shittiest way possible on the finish. Well, I, I, I think Jim Cornette, I was listening to him once, said the, a raw format uh, by Vince Russo had five DQs in six matches, and he didn't see anything wrong with it. So we, we're deep into that era of it doesn't matter how the match is, doesn't matter how the match ends, it's all about the story going into it. And Cornette, Cornette's totally right, and, and Russo's totally guilty of that. But let's look at the other side of the coin at this time, too. WCW, dare I say, was even worse because every fucking match on Nitro main eventing had an NWO run-in. Every fucking one of them, you know? I know. We, we, we lived through that. We lived through the DQs. We lived through the run-ins. We lived through the nonsensical finishes. Um, thank it's God it's insane yeah thank god and it's insane at this time the one company that was giving you you know your money's worth as far was ecw of all companies giving you the clean finishes and decisive shit you know isn't that nuts (laughs) it's it's mental that these so-called clean non-hardcore wrestling companies couldn't come up with a you know innovative clean finish and yet the, the company that was known for its hardcore wrestling its blood matches Clean finishes galore, straight across the board most times. This, literally the same time in 98, you had ECW, had Taz and Bam Bam Bigelow go out there, beat the shit out of each other. But clean clean finish, decisive finishes, That's those it. matches were great. <clears throat> I, I wish the rest of this car, Travis, was up to that standard of great. Because we go back to Vince McMahon, who finds mankind in his boiler room office, and... Mankind says that Vince has something he wants. And this is, of course, as we said, the attempt to get The Rock out of the WWF Championship match so he didn't have to defend later in the show. Is there anything you want to add to that, Travis, before we move on to to this banger of a tag team match? We've seen uh, both of these guys in much better segments together. Nothing at all right home about here. Just more progression of the story for the night. That's it. And it wasn't the end of it either. I think we had like two more scenes in the boiler room before Vince came away looking pleased with himself. But we also get that cutaway to the superstar line with Triple H in China yet, or is that after the, the tag match? 
I think looking at my notes, that is that is going to be well after the tag match. My mistake. <clears throat> so next up, six was it? I think it was six man tag, Job Squad versus the Brood. And for those who don't know, and there's there's quite a few of our listeners, Travis, who have popped on the wrestling train in the last few years, so won't have heard of Job Squad. Al Snow, Scorpio, and Bob Holly. Um, created the stable, obviously, because they were getting tired of being jobbed out. They would add, of course, Dwayne Gill slash Gilberg um, when they helped him win the light heavyweight championship. What a come down, Travis, for Christian. Like, decent match with Taka Michinoku to win the title in your house, and then you lose it to Dwayne Gill. (laughs) (laughs) When I think of the job squad, (laughs) <laughs> I, see, I'm I'm a weird guy. When I think of the Job Squad, that one match on Raw that Al Snow had with The Rock at this time, you know, it might have been the week before this pay per view, where The Rock used that one version of his theme that was just a, like a drum and bass line, is yeah. immediately what comes to my head when I think of the Job Squad, and I don't know why, but I do. Do you know what I'm talking about? That that weird I, theme of The Rock. Yeah, I, I know. I, I can't I can't tell you whether it was before like the week before this or like a week or two after it, but I definitely know what you mean. The job for- squad was, was a kind of a cool, the backstory on it, it was kind of an inner working angle because they had the working relationship with ECW. So the job squad was actually born in ECW with like Al Snow using that guys like blue meanie. And they kind of just Paul Heyman allowed Vince to use it. I mean, it was kind of funny, you know, it was, it was cute. It had no legs. Why would it? <laughs> I mean, it, it, was, it was it was cool on like that one Raw where the Job Squad beat the corporation and got a great reaction with like the help from like mankind, right? I, I think you summed it up perfectly there. Where it was cool for one Raw, and then it just dragged the ass out of it for the, the next three months. On the other end of this, with the Brood, I mean. The bloom is off the rose with this. Edge was already ready to break away, yeah. at least from Gangrel. It was time for Edge and Christian to do their thing, um, and they'd be shoehorned into the ministry because, oh, you're dark, spooky gimmicks too. So why wouldn't you be in the ministry? Let's just throw all those gimmicks in one pot. They're just <laughs> the brood. The brood was complete. To see where Edge was at SummerSlam, you know that Enigma tagging with Sable, arguably one of the hottest acts in the company, to the, just the stagnation of where the brood was with the Job Squad was weird. I think for me, the brood got old really quickly. And I, I, I don't know why, because there should have been legs there. You know, there should have been life to it. Um, maybe yeah. it was Gangrel. Maybe it was Gangrel that held it all back. But... I think it was. I think there's also been a lot, especially since Edge's return in modern times, there's been a lot of revisionist history as far as how over the brood really were. And like, yeah, that entrance is awesome. I love the music, but. I mean, watching this at the time, by this time when the brood came on, I was always like, you know what I mean? Like they, I don't think people realized they weren't as over as people think they were. No, they died really fast. But it was intriguing when, when Gangrel and Christian came in and then they tried to recruit Edge. Edge the vampire hunter. Why didn't they run that longer? I liked that. (laughs) That would have been brilliant if they'd have carried on with that. To a point where it was, you know, hunt the brood or join them. Um, but it, it was a damp squib when Edge joined them. It was just 
he, he, we saw him sat in the crowd when Christian beat Taka Michinuku for the light heavyweight title. And then I think it was two roars later. Oh, Edge has just joined them. So where's the build? Where's the mystery? Where's the intrigue? And, and we're in the epitome of like the hookiest era of wrestling with, with Paul Bear being shoved in a sewer and crucifixions. God, Jesus Christ. They couldn't shoot anything with him biting Edge's neck. Nothing. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you, you didn't say that on Jerry Springer, did you? So obviously it didn't feature into Vince Russo's creative process. You're right. I forgot but, how much, all those crucifixions on Jerry Springer, you know. <laughs> oh, as for this match, Travis, I thought it was fine. I mean, I'm not going to go any more than fine because, it, it, you know, it was just six men who didn't really mean anything to the company at this point in time right. wrestling for 10 minutes um christian had some good stuff edge had some good stuff the poetry in motion over the top rope looked great from edge uh scorpio was a standout star of the match for me but yeah. in the end it was just it was just a six-man tag that you could have got on raw i've always been that guy that think edge and christian did poetry in motion better than the hardys ever did I'm not going to disagree with that, actually. Um, to, for someone to kind of be like, oh, this match wasn't good. It's kind of like, I feel like this match was exactly was it, it, it could have been. Like, it, the potent, like, as far as the stories and the guys in it, this is kind of, I mean, what did you want it to be? You know, yeah. there wasn't a major angle, nothing. It was just, you know. I think it could have probably been enhanced had it just been Edge and Christian versus Al Snow and Scorpio. I think that would have been a, a belter of a tag team match. But, you know, you had Bob Holly and Gangrel in there as well, and they had to get their licks in. Inevitably, they, they slowed it down when Edge and Christian versus Snow and Scorpio could have just been a, you know, a 10-minute balls-to-the-wall tag team spot fest, which is what this crowd needed at you know, this point in time, really. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it was what it was. No one really stunk the joint out, let's say. But nobody really shined at the same time. It's kind of just there. I do like Edge's tights in this, the baby blues. I did like those. Yeah, I added them on Fire Pro. I haven't played that <laughs> game. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ending to this match, Christian pins Scorpio with the Unprettier. Comes out of nowhere, you know. It is cool I, I, back at this time where that was kind of a move that was new and never seen before. And just every time Christian would hit it, then there's always kind of a gasp from the crowd, like, oh, now it's just yeah. like, oh, you know. It felt innovative, though, that move. Like, you, you didn't see other wrestlers do it. It wasn't a, you know, a DDT or a somersault, etc. So that I think that's why that move got over. It's because, oh, we've not seen that before. I'm pretty but, sure that move was birthed by Peru Aguayo in, in Mexico. I think that's the creator of that move. You learn some every week on this podcast, folks. We try to. We try not to just bullshit around. You know? <laughs> so after this match, Travis, oh, by the way, um, what would you give this match out of? Would you recommend it to our viewers in light of the other I, stuff? Uh if you're watching it this time, I would say check it out just for nostalgia's sake. You know, otherwise, nah. There, there's much better resumes. All these guys, other matches. Don't waste your time. 
There you go. So we go back to Vince McMahon and Mankind sitting in the boiler room office. Um, we Jesus can't hear what Christ, this ongoing story. Will they just wrap it up? At oh, this dear. point, that's how I was with it at this point. <laughs> I don't even know how to introduce you this. You do, now. even at the time watching. It's pay-per-view. They're not going to not have the fucking match. Okay? Exactly. Just yeah, cut this... the shit and stop insulting intelligence for a little bit. I hate that shit. <laughs> Monday Night Raw shit. That's what it was on pay-per-view. Only you had to pay to see this. Some you would pay to see, however, Travis. Strip tease match, Jeff Jarrett versus Goldust. And the rules to this one are pretty simple. If Jarrett wins, then Goldust strips. Why? And if Goldust wins, then Deborah strips. Who is rooting for Jeff Jarrett in this? Who wants to see Goldust get his knob out? Come on. I mean, God bless him. Rest in peace, Pat Patterson. I think this <laughs> Deborah had just signed and debuted from Nitro, right? After her split with uh, her divorce with McMichael. So she was a little brand new in the company. Obviously getting monster reactions. This also was right after, you know, you reviewed it on The Last in Your House, Dustin Rhodes doing that. Uh, well, no, he came back the last. Breakdown is when he was still doing the Bible beater gimmick, and he is coming. And the return of Goldust, insane reaction for Goldust in this. And you can tell people had missed the gimmick, you know. Well, when, when you put it up against the Bible bashing gimmick, it's like it's night and day. There's no contest. I would watch Dustin Rhodes do Goldust for the next 20 years if I never had to hear him talk about God and do the early right to censor stuff ever again. To be totally honest with you, you know, stipulations, I could care less if Deborah takes her top off. I mean, it, it is what it is. It, not, let me rephrase that. It, I'm not 14 years old anymore. So to go We've back got- and watch it now, I actually want to see a good match. To see who's in this match, I mean, Jesus Christ, you got Double J, you got the natural Dustin Rhodes. To see what they gave us, what? (laughs) The potential that this could have been with the guys in there, but it just wasn't there this night. I don't know what happened. I didn't enjoy this at all. If if this has been WCW or the USWA in 91 or 92, we might have got a, a cracker. But this was just match for match sake. This was getting two men out there on pay-per-view and then just getting to the point where Deborah got a knockers out. Right. I mean, it, I don't feel like these guys ever turned it into the to turned it up at all in this match. I really think this was a match, the epitome of phoning it in and going through the motions. Could it be a case where the talent involved was kind of resentful that, oh, the writers made this about you know, sex as opposed to us telling our story and our work. It could have been that. Maybe they resented it. Because we know Jeff Jarrett could be a crude businessman at the time. He'll go into business for himself. We don't know. I don't, I'll tell you right now before we even finish reviewing this match, you find way better from either one of these two. The most confusing part for me in this match is, yes, the finish. Jeff Jarrett cheats, the guitar shot. He gets the win. Of course, that pisses everyone in God off. So now Goldust has to strip. You just had one of the, maybe the biggest angle in the company at the time of the beloved commissioner turning heel only to come out and get the biggest baby fucking face reaction of the whole show and act completely opposite from a heel. Yeah. What? 
but let's be honest, the only the only reason they cheered him was because he was he made Deborah strip. Tits and ass win the day. My God. I mean Vince Russo. Fuck you, bro. But Shawn Michaels was loving it. To to his credit, like he didn't care. He was so off of his face. He didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know whether he was smacked off his tits. It looked like a ghost in a suit. It's I put the tweet out earlier in the watch long. It's so hard to go back and watch Shawn Michaels. What was the quote last week? You said about when Marty Jannetty runs, he sounds like a pill bottle. Right here, rinse and repeat for Shawn Michaels. I mean, you could you can just see it in his eyes. He's just fucked up. You know, it's <laughs> sad. Someone's home. Thankfully, he turned it around. Yes, because um, he found God. You know, if 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 it was that easy for all of us, I'd be going to church every Sunday if it brought some better luck. But unfortunately, as of yet. I mean, I've never been to church, so I say as of yet. It's probably, you know, if, if finding God is the, the key to, to true happiness after all, then I'm fucked because I've never been in a church. No, I lie. I've been in a church once and I laughed for a Christian and was asked to leave by the vicar. That was a low point. But apart from that... I do want to, I, take, the time. I, I do want to take the time two seconds to calm down. I apologize to the listeners for, for kind of going off there, but... Man, this shit still happens in modern wrestling. One of my biggest pet peeves is just this. There's no correlation. They do it. They did it with Brandy Rhodes and Cody and AEW. If they're supposed to be heels, then why are they doing babyface shit? That might be my biggest pet peeve in wrestling. I just want consistency. It's not really a lot to ask. I think if you're watching any television program weekly, that should be fucking the number one thing you want is consistency with the stories that make goddamn sense. So when they do shit like this in wrestling, I fucking hate it. Am I supposed to cheer this guy or not? Not everybody can be Steve Austin. You know? Yeah. No, I I, I know what and you I mean. That by like, not everyone can be a tweener. Oh, dear. So did you spot the, the, the faux pas by WWF during the Jeff Jarrett watching from backstage? With where you saw The Rock? Peeking in together, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. What the oh, yeah. fuck was first? I thought Blue Blazer thing was a flub, too, but obviously it wasn't because he came out to cover her up. But yeah, you saw all the boys getting that peak show in, huh? As Shawn Michaels was sticking money in her bra and just having Lord. the time like your opinion. I don't want. I don't want to be that conservative asshole. Can I just point out? I'm literally looking on the hard cam at like eight year old kids. Yeah. <laughs> come on. <laughs> but it, it, I think that was more the fathers. Like, yes, you will come to this event. Yes, this is professional wrestling. Look at it, son. But in your eyes, Deborah was she? Was she the, the sex symbol that they made her out to be here? Because for me. I, she never had it for me. Like I, I never found Deborah that attractive or that sexually alluring. Like I mean, was- I'm not gonna I'm not bash the woman's looks or I think she was very attractive and I think what it is as far as making her the new she didn't have charisma. She did she did she wasn't sunny. Dare I say she wasn't even fucking sable. My god, I just said that. But yeah, she had even less charisma than sable, I feel like. See, I found Jacqueline much more attractive and hot than, than both Sable and um, 
Deborah. I mean, I, I, if, if you really want to go this route, my all-timer to this day is still Terry Reynolds. I mean, why not try? There was never one point where they tried to make her the full, like the top female sex symbol. She always took a backseat to somebody. And I found her always found her way more attractive than like a Sunny or a Sable. So I, I was a Terry guy personally. I love Jacqueline too. Don't get me wrong. I agree. <laughs> what is this <laughs> into? So, well, we we found out that Travis prefers the milfs from today's show. So that, that's one little thing we've uh, we've learned. He was like <laughs> thirty two in ninety eight. Come on, he wasn't that old. I mean, looking back on it now, I suppose I'll see her as just like permanently old. But you're right, back then she was. But even, I don't know, let's not get into people's looks. And I think Deborah was very attractive, yes, to answer your question. <laughs> right, so next up, we see Vince McMahon leaving Mankind's boiler room office with a smile on his face. There's a joke there about. Oh, take that. <laughs> what a fucking segue that was from what we just talked about. Oh. Oh God, the name the name's a secret, but I think Mick Foda received some hush money from, from the yeah. How many NDAs does Mick have? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! So a few million dollars down, clearly, but Vince McMahon's got what he wants. <laughs> I can't even do this. Stop it! Stop! <laughs> I'm gonna hang up. I'm gonna hang. <laughs> Oh, my God. Let's leave that. Right, so we're moving on <clears throat> to the WWF Tag Team Championship match. New Age Outlaws, Boss Man and Shamrock. And, Travis, if I could have turned this off at this point, I would have done. I'm right there with you. We could have gone and done anything else. We could have gone play mini golf or batting cages than, than this. Oh, dear. And this went 16 and a half minutes. 16? <laughs> why is my question you know the boss man wasn't that good you knew shamrock couldn't do 16 minute matches billy gunn and the road dog you know as much as the new age outlaws are one of the standout tag teams in professional wrestling history and rightly so in ring sometimes as is evident here they just didn't have it no i agree i i think it's a kate I think it's a case too where the higher ups probably thought a shamrock and a billy gun could carry the other two for 16 minutes but boy was that a misfire <laughs> yes massive massive but let's not forget this i think the majority of this was done um like the last match they had at judgment day just to get billy gun out there they, they were considering him for the the singles run in 1999, hence the King of the Ring win, hence the SummerSlam match against The Rock. And well, let's not shortchange the guy that, let's be honest, the guy that made Billy Gunn relevant. Any crowd at the time going to pay their money to see a WWF show, if they didn't get to channel along to OU, oh, didn't know, they weren't going to be a happy crowd. So you wanted to always somehow get the outlaws and at least Road Dog out there because that. This was the epitome of the era of fan interaction. That's what sold the fucking tickets because never in another time in wrestling have fans felt like more of a part of a show than like between 97 and like 01. Yeah. Right? No, I mean, I'm not disputing that. I'm Get them out there as much as you like, but don't get them out there in a 17-minute match or 16-and-a-half-minute yeah. match against two men 
that are just as boring as they are. Over There's no it. reason this couldn't have gone eight fucking minutes. Tops. Exactly. Exactly. And fucking 16 minutes for a predictable result, Travis. And not only that, the titles changed hands the next night on Raw. You might as well have switched them here. Oh, 98. <laughs> Again, like a pay-per-view to build up a television program instead of the other way around. Fucking oh, Vince. In a way, in a way too, that's kind of where we're at. And certain person's going to disagree with me. I don't give a fuck in the comments about with AEW. I mean, they focus more on their dynamites. It feels like sometimes, I mean, they just had their biggest possible match. They could have on dynamite last week to pop a number. Yeah. And you know. it, it barely popped that number. So I'm reading it. It just scraped over a million. It should have been way higher than what the fuck it was. And if that's not a warning sign and it shouldn't be all hands on deck, then I don't know what is for Tony Khan right now. Quite frankly, you can either stand by and watch your ship fucking sink, or you can start, you know, getting a bucket and getting some of the water out of your boat. It's your yeah. fault. Tony. Anyway. <laughs> so the Outlaws win, um, but barely lose the titles the next night on Raw. <sighs> next up, Travis. You can tell how bad this, this is getting because we're just huffing and puffing through this now and making... <laughs> inappropriate jokes about Vince McMahon and his millions. But we get a video package for The Rock versus Mankind, and this takes in McMahon trying to screw and punish The Rock, calling him names, the people's ass, the people's chump, etc. Obviously, all the Survivor Series stuff where it was revealed to be a ruse and The Rock and McMahon were in cahoots all along, and then the war on Mankind after he was screwed in Bret Hart style, in Montreal style, at Survivor Series. And then, Travis, this video package took in a really weird turn. It was like a video for two lovers between The Rock and and Vince McMahon. All the the footage of them just like, Rock's the best. Oh, I love you, Vince. I love you, Rock. I I think the brilliance of that, that was intentional for more heel heat. Like, ugh, these guys are (laughs) ridiculous. You know, it worked. (laughs) Yeah, as if this pay-per-view couldn't get bad enough. Jesus they, Christ. The point of this, guys, they really wanted to draw home that Rock was the chosen one. Yeah. And I think they succeeded in that. Oh, they absolutely. If the banners didn't give you the impression that the Rock was the chosen one, then I don't think any of these video packages would have helped. Like, yeah, well, I mean, you've dedicated your set, your fucking pay-per-view name as well to this one man to hammer home the fact that he is the the man to carry this promotion forward you know and if that if people if that bypassed people travis then these video packages would have just been lost on them if that bypassed you then i we just can't help you i'm sorry exactly (laughs) switch to another podcast because we're not for you uh not really the match though I mean, this match kind of set the table for much better matches of these two. I mean, that there's there's no arguing that, right? I mean, this this is the weakest of their matches. It's the weakest. It, it, look, it wasn't horrible. I'm not going to go that far. But if, if you're ranking the Rock versus Mankind matches, 98 to 99, um, then this this is bottom of that ranking. It, it like I say, it wasn't bad, bad. It just it was a taster. 
of what they could do when the shackles were off. It was kind of them getting the fans' palate wet for what was to come yeah. with these two. And I, I think in, in that it succeeded, but what that made for was a very mundane, mediocre match where I kind of wanted to make a sandwich, but out of respect to my favorite of all time, Mick Foley, I didn't. Can I just say, though, you talked about Val Venus earlier. The, the, the Rock, still uber popular, even though he was a heel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, just like, received like a god, quite frankly. Treated like he was a god among men. The Rock walked on fucking air to fit 14-year-old Travis. He was the coolest motherfucker in the world to me. He really was. And I, I think, you know, and I don't want to bring this back to AEW again, but some tweets you see online, it's like, oh, you know, CM Punk's return got a great reaction. No AEW star. And again, you can leave it. I know you'll probably leave it in the comments and argue, etc. No AEW star is ever going to get the reaction that The Rock got. Not just I mean, on this, but... Yeah, but I mean... Look at that bar you just said. Any guy in history, maybe guys you could count on one hand could come close to, like, the rock level, right? Yeah. You know, he's just... We're very fortunate, Matt, you and I, to have lived through this era and not have to rely on going back and seeing... Like, I'm just... I feel so lucky to have been there for it. Oh, exactly. Because you can't... We can try to sit here and to describe people what it was like but every Monday, it just felt like a fucking party. It really yeah. did this time. Absolutely. And I just brought that up, Travis, because I've seen some things over the last few weeks and months, um, especially since Kenny Omega's return, where it's almost like the return of like the second coming. And it's like, I don't care how big you think these people are. There's always The Rock. There's always Stone Cold. You know, there's always those reactions from the yeah. attitude that these men got that people today, not just AEW either, like Roman Reigns, he'll never get the reactions The Rock got. If The Rock was to storm out at Clash of at Clash at the Castle to confront Roman Reigns, you know, I, possibly the biggest reaction in history. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he hasn't wrestled since what? That Eric Rowan squash match at WrestleMania, whatever it was. So... Yeah. You know, you, you can keep your Omegas. You can what keep a sentence your... that is, by the way. Go on, which one? I said, what a sentence that is. Since The Rock's last match since that Eric Rowan match at WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. <laughs> who thought we'd have been sat here saying that? And who thought that, who'd have thought that The Rock's last match, possibly ever, there's still Roman Reigns talks so I know happening, but... Who'd have thought that The Rock's last ever match up to this point would have been Eric Rowan? <laughs> also, as far as the Roman Rock thing, I the last report I read is that it's not in the plans right now. I don't know if it's a Rock schedule. I know there's been some conflicting, but all that I'm yeah. seeing is leaning towards probably not getting it at Hollywood Mania. Which would have been the perfect time if you think about it. You know, the it's a busier motherfucker in the world than The Rock anyway. Like, good luck trying to book him to do anything. Yeah. He I can't mean, even book himself to take a shit in his own house, I bet. The last I, <laughs> the last I heard was that he hadn't got anything on from uh, January to April. 
which obviously led people to think, well, he's going to be in training then to come back, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, you're looking at what ten million dollar payoff for one match and possibly get injured, as opposed to a forty million dollar payoff for two months on a film set, having the time of your life. Not to mention the fact the man's also an entrepreneur. He has his own tequila brand that's actually a very successful tequila right now. And he's also, people seem to forget, the owner of a fucking football league. What's going on with that? We don't know. We don't know how many fingers and how many pots Rock has right now. He is, God, he's swamped. I couldn't. I would collapse if I was Dwayne Johnson just from the stress alone. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. Shout out to that man. What a man. You wake up with a headache just from being Dwayne Johnson. That that's where he's at at the minute, I think. But you know, great you feel, for him. Wake up with a headache, feeling like you got rocks in your head. Huh? Huh? Uh, 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 let's move on to the end of this match, Travis. <laughs> oh my God! So, end of this match. It didn't go that long. Didn't go as long as Rock and Mankind at uh, the Rumble, which is a match you should definitely check out. By the way, I, yes. I think Travis would agree with me. One hundred percent. This match ended. Um, the corporation were in, beat down mankind. Rock goes to town on him. And then <clears throat> so my voice is going, if you can hear it. Um, this match this week, guys, we're marathoning this for you guys this week. Matt's <laughs> sacrificing his health for you guys. You see how much we love you? Like, we're literally injuring ourselves to bring you this show. Like, I'm uh, good. I'm, I'm okay. But Matt, you know. How did this match end, Travis? I've got it down there somewhere, but... Um, was it corporate interference, smozzy shit? Right? That's the... It's kind, of, yeah. kind of blurry. And then we've got the whole um, Rock never said I quit, passed out to the mandible claw, and that's where the I quit match comes in for yep. the rumble. It all makes sense in the end, Travis, in a roundabout sort of way kind of weird that a guy isn't main eventing his own pay-per-view but considering the gimmick match that is the main event you see why and who's in it i mean i'd have preferred this i'm going to be totally honest but it's not often i shit on an undertaker match but i'd have preferred rock versus mankind same same and spoiler i actually detest the next match i've always detested the next match we're going to review I will, so, and I will always, till the end of time, hate this match. If you want to call it a match, because honestly, it's two guys just fighting in dirt for twenty minutes. <laughs> oh, sounds like Sunny's bedroom. So, video package for you Steve. Bastard. <laughs> just thought I'd drop it in, you know. Are you so, always get the Sunny shot in. I love it. I love the new gimmick. Well, fuck yeah, she, she, just fuck that goddamn murderous pig. Rotten your jail cell, you piece of shit. Continue, Matt. I didn't think I'd be a murderous pig on this, this podcast. <laughs> so we get a video package for Austin versus The Undertaker, which begins at In Your House 25 with Austin refusing to count for The Undertaker and then hitting him with a steel chair. Go back to the Judgment Day review I did a few weeks ago if you want to hear more on that. Undertaker says he'll unleash a plague the likes of which the WWF has never seen. Then we see him, <clears throat> pardon me, the voice again. Then we see him hitting Austin with a shovel on the November the 16th Raw. 
and casting Austin's WWF, costing, I should say, Austin, the WWF title in a match with The Rock. Then we get the whole, <laughs> just fucking mental, trying to embalm Austin alive, stuffing Paul Bearer down a manhole, Kane turning face. It, it was a clusterfuck, Travis, this story, in the end. Fun fact, I was at that Raw in Baltimore, Maryland, where they shoved Paul Bearer in the sewer hole. And was he still down there when you went left the show? I don't know. I didn't check. I was 14. I had a bedtime. So I had a bedtime. <laughs> oh my god. Hardcore on this this show, ladies and gentlemen. EC Easy. And it ended, Travis, with Austin being crucified on the Undertaker symbol. Um, I know Wait. for a fact Kurt Angle has said he was backstage on that raw. What do you think the difference was crucifying the Sandman on ECW, which he couldn't bring himself to work for ECW afterwards, and then seeing Austin crucified on an Undertaker symbol and signing a multi-year contract with the company? I think the difference is a certain color, and it's called green. (laughs) Are you saying Kurt Angle prefers money to ethics? I didn't say that, but <laughs> I, I suggested it. The implication was there. Right, let, should we get through this main event as quick as humanly possible, Travis? Because buried alive match, Austin Undertaker. This is to say if Austin wins, he goes to the Rumble. If he doesn't win, he doesn't go to the Rumble. As you already know, if you've seen the 1999 Raw Rumble, Austin enters at number two. So there's the the spoiler for the end of this match. We know what I thought. Trash. Travis, what did you think? I just think that this is two guys that were forced to go out there in a silly, and I've always hated the Buried Alive matches. I hate the concept, I think. I mean, okay, my my wife is beyond the epitome of a casual fan. So she tends to get swamped with work and i'll try not to go long-winded i'm sorry so she ends up on the weekend sometimes having to do some side work on her laptop while i watch something she just so happened to be in the living room uh and the first thing that came out of her mouth was literally why why would this how how this is silly blah 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 and i look it you can stretch your imagination in life sometimes I mean, Jesus Christ, we reviewed The Undertaker levitating over the arena in the 94 Rumble. That was even (laughs) silly. But to bury a guy alive and to buy that and not your immediate reaction to be like, well, where's the trap door? You know, what's the catch? It's just stupid. Why not just have a fucking goddamn no-holds-barred match or, God forbid, the first ever fucking barbed wire match or another and in- why not another inferno match and they're not great matches either but they're more i can buy an inferno match more than i can buy a fucking buried alive match and another thing with a buried alive match you're stripping half of the action because you know these guys have got to eventually work their way up the ramp they've got to tell that story in the ring where the fight makes its way up there and one of my biggest complaints about the entire attitude era Every main event in the fucking Attitude Era always had that standard brawl into the audience. And to be there live, that's fucking awesome. Oh, my God. Steve Austin just passed by me. But to watch the the crowd brawls on TV sucks. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. It's always sucked. 
I hated it when Owens and Austin did it at this year's Mania. I hate watching brawls into the crowd. They're boring to watch on TV. Fair? Yeah, absolutely. 100% fair. Um, ending of this match, Travis, did it save it a little bit or was it just as hokey? Because if you've never seen it, and if you've never seen this match, ladies and gentlemen, then you've never watched an Austin or Undertaker compilation DVD. Because I swear this must be on five of the, the seven compilations that they've released for both men. I know uh, for sure it's on the Deadliest Matches DVD. I know for sure it's on the 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 Steve Austin, the second Steve Austin DVD, the four disc with the biography. I know it's on there. So there's two. It's probably on the Attitude Era DVD. Let me double check, but yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I also think it's on the other Undertaker one. Um, is it, it Buries Him Alive? The, the 05, the first Undertaker DVD, right? I th- there's the one with the blue cover. Yeah, where like the last match was WrestleMania 20. Yeah. Like, yeah, something and, like and, that. and then there's one after where it's just like the Undertaker's face cartoon-wise against like a stony background. If you guys were aware, by the way, we're fucking nerds. I just put that out. This is all off the cuff. We don't even have to think about what we're saying right now. It's just ingrained. We're collectors, nerds. No, collectors, absolutely. <laughs> um, so this match ends. Under Kane gets involved um, while Austin disappears for about ten minutes backstage. Kane and uh, Undertaker. There's tombstones. Uh, Undertaker ends up in the grave. Austin rides into the arena on a digger operated by a driver, and then the digger just refuses to work properly, and Austin has to shovel the dirt into the fucking grave because they're running out of pay-per-view time. That was a fuck-up. And the end of this just takes forever. There's no official end either, Travis. This ends when Austin gets bored and starts to drink beer, and El Hebner declares him the winner. properly. And you can see Taker's like knee poking out of the dirt, and it's just it's just bad. <laughs> Sums up, I think, the match and the pay per view, like the ending to this. Just, I, but I also think because their SummerSlam match was so good, people were expecting miracles here, and right. it just couldn't live up to the hype. Well, even even at the time, I mean, for me, this feud had run its course. Yeah, it it was beyond time. Um. And, and the bitch about this was this this wouldn't be the last time there would be a stipulation can Steve Austin be in the Rumble? We'll get there on our next In Your House episode, for fuck's sake. Oh my they God. just carried this shit along. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's It wasn't the time in the Austin run. This might be the low point of the Austin top guy run, as opposed, I mean, him turning heel, but I mean, come on x7 on that deal but besides that this has got to be the low point for me yeah a creative team in limbo i think is the best way i can sum it up yep and that ladies and gentlemen is in your house 26 i'm going to give it a solid d travis like i said i i didn't hate it as much as i did originally um but it was it's still one of the worst in your houses they've ever produced as far as titles not being misleading, I'll give it an A. Because this, <laughs> definitely, this definitely made me feel like I hit rock bottom after it. I just felt like spent on watching an Attitude Era show, like exhausted, but not in a good way. 
Like you can watch like pop in Mania 14 and by the end of that, I'm exhausted, but in a good way. Like, man, that hit all my emotions. What a fucking show, but this, this. I felt like I just went to goddamn the Baltimore Arena on a Tuesday for a house show and there's a big pile of dirt. You know, it's <laughs> boring. Just a boring, mediocre fucking show. I'm going to give it, you know what? I don't think I've ever done this. I may have once. I'm going to give it an F. Because not only did this fail to captivate me, they tried to do the string-along storyline throughout the show with Vince and McMahon. And in a perfect world, with the charisma between those two, that's entertaining all day. But for some reason on this, it just got worse every segment, and I cared even less. And it made me care about the title match even less. And just the... The usage of certain talents like an Owen Hart, even though that was the best match. This is the best you got for him in Canada. I mean, come on, come on. <laughs> I just I really hated this show. And I haven't hated the show in a long time. But this just hit me in all the worst ways. All the worst parts of the attitude air for me. Sands like meat and May Young having sex with Mark Henry. This was awful. Fucking awful. Don't recommend it at all. Oh, <laughs> uh, and I think I can say. Now that's over. We're officially equal for last week. <laughs> Look, maybe I was too hard on it, but I just, I just did not enjoy this. And I, and, and that's the thing. I wanted to, I wanted to. I was excited that you know, my first in your house review back was this era because how could you not love this era? But, ooh, yeah, hard, hard pass on in your house twenty six. I think yep, is... that's all I got. That's all I got. So next week, Travis. The end of NXT UK. So we will be bringing you the whole of August, the whole of last month of NXT's existence, as well as Worlds Collide. So we will be re- we won't review the whole of Worlds Collide, just the important bits, obviously. The women's title, Tyler Bate versus Bron Breaker to unify the NXT and NXT UK championships. But we will give you everything we've got, all our thoughts all our memories, and I think next week's, Travis, is going to be one of the hardest ones we've ever done because NXT UK meant a lot to me. I know it meant a lot to a lot of British wrestling fans as well. Uh, I know you've sort of fallen off of it. With, but with at one whole... point, it did mean a lot to me. And yes. now, quite frankly, I'm just kind of pissed off, you know, to... Look, next week, guys, for sure, 100%. Next week, you don't want to miss. It's our biggest milestone episode ever, the end of an era. I hope you brought the tissues because it's it's not going to be a great time because the possibilities and what was squandered and the frustrations and years, the entire reason Matt and I were even brought together um, was that brand. And to just, this is it. I mean, NXT Europe's going to be a thing, but we don't even know how the fuck that's going to be structured, what that could be. It could be awful. It could be great. But the point is, it shouldn't even be a thing because this should not have happened. And I don't care who's in charge now. It's too little too late with the brand. They had already not. They they had negatively invested in NXT. You couldn't have invested any less into a brand that you own that they did with this. And, uh, it's going to be a hard strings episode next week, guys. Just warning you. Absolutely. And then the week after that, Travis, we will finish off our NXT UK marathon. We're going to bring Valentine and some chocolate for that one. You're going to awesome. be my sweetheart. Oh my god! 
in your house at 27, St. Valentine's Day Massacre. And then by the, by the time we've done that, Travis, in two weeks, we'll have literally finished two of our our major podcast episodes a month. So we're going to fill the gap with something for you. We've got the idea of our Superstar series coming up. But more reviews. The wheels are always turning, guys. Have no fear. There's The content ain't going anywhere. So uh, we just hope you're prepared. Absolutely. Absolutely. And apologies, I have to say, for some people who who misunderstood my tweet um, a week or two back about NXT UK coming to an end, who thought the podcast was also coming to an end. We're not going anywhere. Um, I should probably have worded that better. But we'll be right here. But next week, join us for the end of NXT UK. And Travis, tell them where they can find you before we say adieu. On Twitter, at Huss Hogan. And happy to announce, yes, the batteries are charged. And the YouTube channel is about to fire on all cylinders once again in the next week or two. Hibiki TMD on YouTube is back. Focusing mainly on gaming content, but back nonetheless. Hope you're ready. Habiki Pro Game Reviews, the reset button. It's all coming. Stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss what I got in store. My man, thank you so much for having me this week. Pleasure as always, my friend. And you can go over to Twitter at BruiseMate to follow me. Hit the show up at Union Smack, where you'll find the link to all of... I fucked that up, didn't I? Where you can find the link. It's been a long night to everywhere you want to get us around the podcasting world via our link tree in our bio. UnionSmack.BigCartel.com for your Hibiki TMD merchandise needs. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Rocky Buyer, where you can celebrate five years of Union Smack by purchasing our new logo shirt and our Union Smack revisited shirt. And, of course, Lulu.com, where you can pick up copies of my book, plural, The Undertaker, A Trip Down Death Valley, and NXT UK Year One. But Travis, I'm going to let you take us home as usual, and I will see you all next week. For Matt, myself, everyone here involved with Union Smack, next week couldn't be any more prelevant to say it's the end of an era. Our very last NXT UK review in five years. You don't want to miss this, rest assured. Until then, Union Smack, cheerio mates. <laughs>